Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your genes. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, Turfic Huck launches time capsules to the moon. But first up, here's the news from the September 2017 International Astronautics Conference. Space Gateway Collusion At the 68th International Astronautical Congress in Adelaide, America's NASA Space Agency and Russia's Roscosmos have agreed to collaborate on a project to build a space station in orbit around the Moon in the mid-2020s. A satellite for our satellite. The new space station will have one new technical standard for docking ports instead of the many different ones on the International Space Station. This should make life easier for spacecraft designers and future astronauts. Other nations are discussing joining the project, just as the European, Japanese and Canadian space agencies did for the International Space Station. The International Space Station, now orbiting the Earth, will operate until 2024. The modular Deep Space Gateway Station will give astronauts somewhere to work together for at least the next 10 years. In exchange for providing modules and other hardware, participating space agencies will be able to send their astronauts as passengers on NASA's Orion spacecraft to the station orbiting the Moon. NASA also promised to make the near-lunar base available for mounting expeditions to the surface of the Moon and preparing for trips to Mars. Through its Next Space Technologies for Exploration partnerships, Next Step grants, NASA has been funding the US space industry to develop full-sized ground-based engineering prototypes of habitation systems, expected to be complete in 2018. However, as the designers of most of the International Space Station life support systems, Russia will provide the experience. NASA plans for its space launch system and Orion rockets to launch only once a year, so the Russian Proton rockets and private spacecraft companies like SpaceX will have to step in for the rest of the year. This is what real space agencies do. They foster international collaboration, space exploration and support the space industry. I can only hope that the Australian government ministers who spoke at the International Astronautical Congress about a nebulous Australian space agency were also listening. SpaceX may beat NASA and Russia back to the moon. SpaceX has agreed to use its Falcon Heavy rocket to send two paying passengers around the moon and home again on one of the company's Dragon spacecraft. The names of the two individuals won't be announced unless the results of initial health tests to ensure their fitness for the mission come up positive. They've already paid a substantial deposit. The two wealthy passengers will be the only people on board the historic journey, which will take about a week 
and is expected to launch in 2018 from Kennedy Space Center's historic Pad 39A near Cape Canaveral. The same launch pad used by the Apollo program for its lunar missions. The trip would be a long loop around the moon, skimming the surface of the moon, going quite a bit further out into deep space, and then loop back to Earth, travelling about half a million kilometres. The spaceship will be mostly automated, a self-driving spacecraft. The moon flight is scheduled to launch after SpaceX flies NASA astronauts to the International Space Station as part of the commercial crew program. Elon Musk is amazing, but it seems hard to believe that SpaceX will really launch humans on a trip around the moon and back next year. I hope the passengers check out on the medical and training tests and we see them make a historic voyage next year safely. Mars via London. At the International Astronautics Conference in Adelaide, Elon Musk announced that SpaceX has designed passenger aircraft that could each take 100 people to Mars by 2024. And then he'll pay for the trip by mass-producing the exact same reusable multi-use spacecraft, fast suborbital hops from anywhere on Earth to anywhere else on Earth. Musk estimates the cost of the trip to anywhere on Earth would be the same as an economy airfare. A flight from Sydney to New York would take less than an hour, while New York to London would take less than 30 minutes. Here's Elon Musk. The cargo area has a pressurized volume of 825 cubic meters. This also is greater than the pressurized area of an A380. The Mars transit configuration consists of 40 cabins. I think mostly we would expect to see two to three people per cabin, normally about 100 people per flight to Mars. If you build a ship that's capable of going to Mars, well, what if you take that same ship and go from one place to another on Earth? So we, we looked at that, and the results are quite interesting. The, the great thing about going to space is there's no friction. So uh, once you're out of the atmosphere, you will go, it will be smooth as silk, no turbulence, nothing. There's no weather. There's no, there's no atmosphere. And uh, you can get to, to most long distance places, like I said, in less than half an hour. And if we're building this thing to go to the moon and Mars, then why not go to other places on Earth as well? So SpaceX is adding multi-use to their reusable spacecraft. It's a brilliant idea because it's so much cheaper to refuel and reuse the spacecraft for many short trips than to buy one or two Mars spaceships and then dispose of them after one use. The technology will get better and safer after many commercial uses and they'll become the main source of spacecraft because they will have a large fleet always ready to be used and factories used to pumping many spacecraft out instead of the occasional one. And of course, the same spacecraft that can reach Mars will also be able to reach the Moon. The big, multi-use, reusable passenger cargo rocket is currently codenamed BFR. It will have multiple engines in case one fails. You just know Musk will send his spacecraft out to the US-Russian Deep Space Gateway. SpaceX plans to fly two cargo ships to Mars in 2022, and two crewed ships and two cargo ships in 2024. Musk says to make the establishment of a self-sustaining base on Mars or the Moon, there needs to be 
thousands of ships and tens of thousands of retanking or refilling operations. Now that is a vision to conjure with. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. All passengers for moon rocket number one report to elevator platform. We're going to be passengers on the first rocket to the moon. We'll live in this rocket for eight days and nights. We're going 250,000 miles into space to circle the moon and then return to Earth. We're on a mountain near the equator. On the launching field, our rocket ship points straight up, its tail resting on a metal ring set over a big hole in the ground. That's so the blast of the rockets won't hurt anything. Moon rocket passengers, please board. Here we go in the elevator to the door about halfway up on the rocket ship. We enter, and the door is sealed behind us. Captains and passengers, fasten safety belts, please. We're preparing to blast. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Rocket away! Rocket away! Rocket away! In just eight minutes, the earth behind us looks like a giant balloon. Attention everyone, attention everyone. Moon ahead, moon ahead. See, there's the moon, a huge dead silvery globe floating below us. The moon is dry, the moon is cold, the moon is pale, and hard, and old. It hasn't got a bit of air, anywhere. There's no more grass than there is on a button. No trees, no seas, no flowers, no nothing. The moon is a wonderful place to visit. Is it? Yes, but I wouldn't particularly care to live there. We are swinging around the other side. And we're going back. There is so much to see and know. There is so far for men to go. It's good to travel wide and then it's good to come back home again. That was Raymond Scott and the Quintet by Rocket to the Moon, recorded in 1950. Next up... Want to send something to the moon? Tofik is a man who wears many hats. He's a PhD researcher at the Australian Centre for Space Engineering Research and CEO of Lunar Letter. I met up with him at the Orbit Oz Space Entrepreneur Meetup and began by asking him, what is Lunar Letter? Lunar Letter is a small idea I had while browsing the SpaceX subreddit, as one does usually. And I found that SpaceX was sending payloads to the surface of Mars for about $2 million per kilogram. I found that was pretty cool. I mean, we could, we could send a small disk 
put a few million messages on it and that would pay for itself, right? Then unfortunately that program got cancelled. So what I did then, I had a look around, I found that there's a company called Astrobotic and I found that they're actually sending these tiny, tiny payloads about the size of a five cent coin. So these are tiny little boxes, right? In these boxes you can put almost anything you want anything inert, so not electronics, not anything like that, but you can put a wedding ring, you can put in a piece of hair, you can put in a small memento. And I figured, why not put a bit of electronic media in there, digital storage media, and put people's messages on there. And that's how Lunar Letter came about, basically it. And from there I worked backwards to find, okay, why would people do this? And it turns out that this is very important. So the reason people will do this is that we are currently working very well at staying a single planetary civilization. We're not working at all to become a multi-planetary civilization. Elon Musk is trying, but he's only getting so far. I believe with Lunar Letter, we can create a reason to become a multi-planetary civilization that anyone can contribute to. The idea is simple, that people will send their messages to the surface of the moon, those messages will then only be able to be accessed by people who then go to the moon. So lunar colonists, lunar explorers, lunar tourists. This then creates a reason to go to the moon because you will not be able to access these messages unless you go there. So suppose you, Ian, you send a message and your friend in 10 years time wonders, okay, what did Ian send? Let's, well, if we want to check, we have to go to the moon to check. So while this isn't a great reason to go to the moon, it's not a gold rush, it's not a it's not anything like that. It is a small but positive step in the right direction to turning humanity into a multi-planetary civilization. It's also the opportunity to create some history as well, isn't it? Because if you send something like this across, it's not something that happens every day and there's going to be a big case of these messages that historians will be interested to know. People at this period in time on Earth imagining people going back in the future to the Moon will be interested in, or Mars for that matter, when that happens, will be interested in seeing what they said. That's 100% right. I've actually put a few prompts on our website, and one of the prompts is, how do you live today? And how do you think that will differ when your message is read? Especially, how do you think people will be living on the moon at that time? And I've read that with time capsules, most people think, okay, I'll put in a photograph, I'll put in a catalog, I'll put in my shoe in a time capsule. That'll be very, that'll be very valuable to historians. Turns out what historians value the most in a time capsule is just accounts of how people lived back in the day. And if this can become a historical artifact as well, I mean, that, that's, that's just fantastic. Because then the longer it's on the moon without anyone going to it, the bigger that reason grows to go to the moon and actually check it out. So if you're putting electronic storage media, people can send more than just text. They can do more than write a letter. That's 100% right. At this point, we're very early stage. We, in fact, only started accepting letters last month. So at this point, we're only accepting text messages. However, there is no, we're not really putting in a limit to how long your message can be. If you want to send in your novel, go ahead. In addition to that, we'll soon be launching the ability to send photos, audio, so like this podcast. Maybe you can send this podcast to the moon, Ian, and also video to the moon, right? So the only issue is that these are a bit, they're much larger in size than uh, text messages. They, they'll be a bit more expensive, but we still want to make them very affordable to people on Earth. So how are you going to make the media you send 
durable so that it's still compatible with whatever people are using when they go back to the moon. Currently we're planning on using micro SD cards and there is definitely a risk that they will become out of date by the time people go to the moon. But micro SD cards are only our first step. There hasn't been sufficient research to show that micro SD cards will last from the radiation. Because you know you will have radiation coming in, it'll be sort of damaging your data. So we actually would like to test out how much people's data would be damaged, whether we can use SD cards or not, by launching an SD card to the International Space Station next year with people's messages. We can make it even a contest. Does your message survive a year on the International Space Station? Beyond that, if we get enough followers, we can start considering other archival storage media, such as magnetic tape and M-Discs. So the great thing about magnetic tape and M-Discs is that they are much more durable than SD, micro SD cards and because of this they are used already as archival storage media on earth. So considering they're already used on earth and these storage media are supposed to last for hundreds or maybe thousands of years, they're going to be around for a while and the ability to be able to read them has to be around for the same reason. So I'm confident that we will be able to read people's messages even if a long time passes if we do start getting to use magnetic tape and M-Discs. And M-Discs are mini-discs? So M-Discs are a cool type piece of tech. Supposedly they are rated to last a thousand years and they're actually made of carbon etched with lasers. So they are, they are in fact solid. People talk about flash drives being solid state storage but M-Discs are actually solid. And the idea is that it's the size of a Blu-ray and it can store as much as a Blu-ray, but it can last for a thousand years. So they're actually selling this as a sort of thing that you could put your photos on, for example, and you could pass that down to your grandkids or whatever. Do you need a special reader for that? You do, but it's something that only costs about a few hundred bucks. So it's something that we could easily afford if we get enough of a following. Because my experience is that CDs and DVDs, at least, don't actually last as data storage very well at all. So I imagine Blu-rays are the same because they're the same sort of plastic. So this sort of more, whatever form of carbon they're using that's a bit more better wearing, maybe it's something everybody should be using. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to, I forget which company is making the M-Disc actually, I need to talk to them. <laughs> uh, the only reason we're not doing it right now, we're not using them right now, is that, it, that's that they are a bit pricey. But for our purposes, if we're sending these discs to the moon, the price of the discs isn't as worrying as the price of launch. So we're definitely interested in using them if we get enough people signing up. If you're doing just a time capsule, theoretically, if you got the funding, you could send a reader with the disc. Definitely, that's something we would definitely be interested in doing. Lunar Letter does plan that if a message becomes too degraded to be able to read, we will send the message again, because that, that is our mission. If we fail this mission, then we fail as a company. It's very easy to say. So if the means to not be able to read the message also disappears, that's something that means we failed as well. So we'll definitely try and keep the means to be able to read these messages in the future. And who do you think will be interested in sending this sort of time capsule for the future onto the moon? I think there's a very broad market here. At the moment, the text messages cost $10. 
It's a bit expensive. I mean, it's not it's not free. It's not like you're sending a tweet, which is you know almost for free. It is a significant cost compared to what you'd usually expect for a message. But unfortunately, space is expensive. But we have priced these to be affordable. Ten dollars is the price of a, a Big Mac, about or thereabouts. So it's not an impossible cost. So that's why I believe that there is a significant number of people who would be able to afford this. And if there is a significant number of people who can afford this, and it's not a big ask, I think that we can definitely get to a lot of people. However, the question then is who are our early adopters? So our early adopters, we believe, are going to be people interested in space. And particularly, I'm looking to get in touch with people who already do a lot of writing. I've actually found so far that for people who want to, who are interested in sending messages, the biggest barrier is not the cost. The biggest barrier is actually writing a message. People don't like writing. <laughs> it's just how it is, unfortunately. So to solve that issue, I have some ideas. One of which is that we'll run regular events where we'll have some discussion on lunar colonization and other space, interesting space topics. Maybe we'll have an interesting speaker. And afterwards, we'll all sit down, write out a letter, and I'll help them out with that and we'll send these letters to the moon. You might also get interest from schools and from professional historians. 100%. I have thought of that, but I believe that before we approach schools, we need to show some traction with just general customers first, because I think there is a big reputational risk there that we, we need to show credibility. There's definitely a few channels that I want to explore to get to schools and possibly historians as well, but I'm going to leave that for the future for now. When would something get sent? So Astrobotic is launching their Peregrine Lander in late 2019. Well, I say, I say they would like to launch it, but the thing with space is that all dates given are no earlier than dates. So the launch could definitely be delayed, but I'm confident they will get off the ground. They have a lot of contracts with NASA and a lot of governments around the world and a lot of companies as well. I mean, they contract with, with Mexico. I, I'm not sure why, but I guess Mexico wants to put something on the moon. They're contracted with a, a company in Japan who wants to put a bottle of water on the moon. And they're developing standardized miniature rovers for NASA. So, I mean, this is a company with serious credibility. I'm actually going to go speak with them at the IAC in late September. So I will get the chance to speak with their business development people. And they've so far been very supportive of Lunar Letter and what we're trying to do. And can you just explain what the IAC is? Ah, yes. So the IAC is the International Astronautical Congress. So this is the biggest space conference in the world. Every year it's held in a different city. This time it's held in Adelaide, so just a short jump away from Sydney. So it's definitely an opportunity I'm taking advantage of. Is there anything you'd like to add? So I guess the only thing left that I'd like to add is that so far, I, I'll go over the traction that we have so far. So today I got our eighth sale, so we're getting there slowly but surely. And currently the biggest challenge we're facing is actually getting more sales. So eight sales obviously is not enough. We, we need to get a large, much larger number, but I think we're on the right track. So far we have 
some decent traction on Instagram, so you can actually follow our Instagram account. There's about 1,100 other people who, at the time of recording, have already been following us. We post regularly about the moon and history about the moon, and just nice photos with the moon in, in them. So today we put a photo up of the moon rising over the Earth, as taken by astronauts aboard the International Space Station. People love that photo. It got more than 100 likes within six hours, so I'm very happy about that. And in conclusion, if you want to send a message, best place to go, lunarletter.com. I'll spell it out because I realize the Australian accent may be a bit difficult. L-U-N-A-L-E-T-T-E-R.com. And if you can't think of a message right now, feel free to send us your money. You know, we'd be very happy to have your money for obvious reasons. And we will be happy to sit down with you. If you're based in Sydney, we'll invite you to future events where you can sit down with us and write your letter with our help. Or we would also like to hold webinars. So if you're not based in Sydney, you can join us online. Well, Daufik, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ian. That was Tofik Huck, CEO of Lunar Letter. You can find out more at lunaletter.com. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to hear your voice on radio? Record a voice memo on your phone or use the voicemail tab on the Diffusion website. We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolfe. Join my patrons in supporting the show at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. The news music was Rhinos theme by Kevin MacLeod of Incomatech.com. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 27 stations on the community radio network, including 2RBM in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2NVR in Nambucca Valley, and 3NBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than 900 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords, so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Subscribe to the Diffusion YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick, everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. 
And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.